Hey, it's party time, Mom. Welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. We are in the Mothership Studio 22, the Mothership Mama. Uh, Chance the Soulless Ginger Rapper driving us into the nether regions. Uh, we have a debate tonight, just in case. We have a debate that's coming. That's right. Kamala Harris, Mike Pence. Tonight, Mike Pence has agreed to have a plexiglass shield between them. This, Steve, this... Um, coronavirus thing has become a cult yeah it is it's, it's it really it's become a cult uh because face it even once natalie even once they come out with a vaccine there will still be a substantial group of people who continue to wear masks everywhere they go no doubt they will continue the mask shaming and there's no science that proves that masks work or are effective in any way I think it's because they think they look better with a mask on. I was going to say the same thing. Some should probably keep wearing a mask. I mean, somebody (laughs) might think I should keep wearing a mask. What she just said and what you just said are two very different things. (laughs) She said there are people who think they don't look good. You just said you think people don't look good. Oh, yeah, I know. That's two very different things. I want to make sure that that y'all understand the mind of a narcissist. (laughs) That's what Steve said. That is what Steve said. Uh, Did you catch that, boys and girls? Like okay. if you've got the smoker wrinkles around your lips, you know? <laughs> this that the the, mask the, the, hides the that. sucking wrinkles? <laughs> sucking. From, from sucking on stuff your whole life. I'm you gonna got, get those later. Yeah. If you have jacked up teeth or something like that, you'd yeah. be like, Oh, I can wear a mask and I think both of you are probably wrong. Oh. Uh but I don't it's a cult. It's a cult. I'm telling you, these people are worshiping at that altar. Uh that safety is an altar. And I mean, you watch these people walking around. They got them. Their your nose is hanging out. They're down on their chin. They're not even wearing these stupid things. That's what I do. I mean, what, I mean, what are you? What are you doing? What are you doing? I got in trouble in the hotel lobby like three times this weekend, and we were up in uh, yeah. wherever we were at last weekend. Well, uh, Omaha. Let <laughs> me tell you what it's like to travel with Steve real quick. Steve lives in Steve World. It's just Steve's world. Okay. So, if you're driving a car that has a keyless ignition, you're just a push button mm-hmm. deal. You know, you got the key fob. I put it in the cup holder in the console whenever I'm driving a vehicle like that. <laughs> Steve puts it in his pocket. Yeah. Steve forgets it's in his pocket. Right. Right. I don't put it in my pocket because who knows? I might flip the car over, the thing catch on fire, and somebody needs to turn the ignition off. That's one of the things that you do when you come upon a car wreck and somebody's unconscious is you turn the ignition off, okay? So I might need access to the key. I don't know. I don't want to go digging around in somebody's pants that's been thrown, you know, 50 yards. Well, you're from not going to find the key if it's in the cup holder. It's maybe, gone. May, maybe, maybe not. We don't know. And I'm wearing a seatbelt, so I'd still be right in place. Maybe, but then I got to dig around in his pants. And there's, that's the problem. I mean, theoretically, I could just push the button and turn it off. That's, that's <laughs> where I, right my head there. was at yeah. first, but yeah. I but mean, no, seriously. I, I just don't do that. Okay. Now, Steve turns in the uh, car the other day at the deal, at the rental car place. I'm getting calls in Nebraska from a Nebraska <laughs> number. Steve has left the car rental place, come all the way back to the airport terminal, and guess what? Keep. It's in his pocket. Yeah. Hey, but the better part of that story is I turned it into the wrong rental car company. Oh, gosh. But the guy, he was at Hertz and uh, and was supposed to be at Dollar. Yeah. And um, which are the same company, but they're just on different levels. Oh, you know, Steve. I guess Dollar's the cheapest one. Um, and Chad used 
dollar that week. But anyway, <laughs> the, uh, so the guy recognizes me from the show and stuff and says, oh, my gosh, I love, you know, love watching you every day. So thanks, Sterling. for t- He took the car back for me when I did take the fob back to him. So he drove it up a level. Yeah, he drove it up a level. He drove it up he, a level. One level. Yeah. I, I have driven Joseph's truck and he got out and then I had to go drive some of our friends home. He had the key fob in his pocket. So when I went to their house, turned the car off, that was the, the truck stayed there. Well, it's so, notorious whenever he's pumping gas, he'll go into the store or whatever, while or we go to the convenience store, and the thing starts beeping while I'm still sitting in the car right. because he's left with the key. <laughs> Chad hates beeping. I do hate Noise beeping. Noise of any I kind. Actually, I pretty much to. hate all that. He doesn't like and cell phone dingers or nothing. Yesterday, Kyle that travels with us, our other road guy, Kyle... Uh, and he's in town because we're traveling to Utah this weekend. He needed the car. Steve gets in his vehicle to drive away after we've gotten back from the airport. Tony picks him up. Guess what he's got in his pocket? Ooh, the Mercedes people. key. <laughs> dude, anyway. Hey, Tech Pack, the premier monthly subscription box for military tactical prepper, Second Amendment enthusiasts. 50 bucks, guys. Forty nine ninety five a month. You're going to get at least $100 worth of gear from different companies like 511, Sons of Liberty, Gunworks, Mission First, Tactical, Armaspec, and more. They're going to send you some AR-15 parts and accessories, some uh, everyday carry tools, knives, and gear to keep you prepared for when it hits the fan. And as you all know, it's currently hitting the fan. Uh, the November pack has a value of 120 bucks, uh, And that's right. You pay $49.95, you'll get a box full of gear worth of $120. You know, right now, they say that 62% of Americans believe we are headed towards a civil war. That's, that's an amazing that's a big statistic. Number. And they're saying that a big portion of those people are prepping. They're preparing for something like that. God forbid something like that happens. But, but this is the kind of thing that's, that's getting real out there, folks. Uh, you need to subscribe to TAC Pack. Past three months, their, their boxes have sold out early, so you need to get signed up for the November Pack ASAP. Use promo code CHAD at checkout to receive a free extra bag of tactical goodies. Shipped out with your first pack. Uh, if you want to pack ASAP, you need to sign up and shoot them an email at info at tackpack.com. That's T A C pack.com. Info at tackpack.com. Don't wait. They're flying off the shelves. Go to tackpack.com. Sign up today. And remember, use offer code CHAD. We'll be right back. Real good. It, Steve Steve starts during the break just starts tearing up the set, doesn't put things back the way it is. He didn't put it back the way it was. It, it, they'll never notice. That one person will notice. No, it's out no the shot. you can't even see it. It's out of the okay. shot. I, can't okay. see it. I thought it was. Um Okay, so got a debate tonight. This is one I'm looking forward to. Mike Pence and uh Kamala. Kamila. Kami La Harris. Um I don't think you're gonna get the same kind of debate as you got with Donald T and um Joe Biden, Joe B, just because those guys are just just characters. Mike Pence is a lot more reserved. Mm-hmm. Kamala's a little more in your face with the. Yeah. You have yeah. a pacifist, and I, I don't know that Pence is necessarily. A, he just comes across as real mild. He's very calm and collected. And he's not a pacifist, her, but he's very calm. And that kind of, as far as the way it's going to look, I, I feel like it's going to look like she beats him up. Well, and I think Pen- Pence is going to follow the rules of debate. That's my own, you know, whereas. Mr. Trump, 
that wasn't a debate. I mean, let's be real. It was a free-for-all. It was just a fight. It was a free-for-all. For sure. No, I, I think Pence is a lot sharper than than, than people want to think. Yeah. You just don't hear that much from Mike Pence a lot of times. When, But, I mean, he's the guy who has spearheaded this whole coronavirus thing. I mean, the guy's got a lot of facts. He's, a lot, he's been on the front lines with this deal. He's been very active with it. So I, I think he's going to be just fine. Well, he doesn't have to say a lot. He's got a bulldog in front of him, you yeah. know, saying everything. Yeah. So I hear that you got in a little bit of trouble for calling my burps the burp of satan i said they sounded like satan i got in big well i got in trouble yeah, from well, one guy yeah you know what i say to people like that shut up <laughs> shut up we have fun on this show if you can't enjoy it he said but, i insulted but your response your response was you nailed thank it. you uh, yeah oh, he, steve's kissing up thank now. you no, no he, i'm just saying uh so what I was said, he said how you know you don't that's insulting it's disgusting don't compare his burps to uh satan. to satan no, to god's enemy Prince and i'm like darkness. to god's enemy and i said that that battle's been won bro god did not care satan. god won that <laughs> christ won that war we're good <laughs> i think jesus burps I mean, I think, yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. You think his fishing buddy said, oh, that sounded like, you know, hell? <laughs> Probably so. He has to have a sense of humor for all we, he has to put up with you, all of us. Yeah. You think about it. You think of fishermen and stuff, you know, and that's who Jesus hung out with. Their sailors are. <laughs> I just like throwing random thoughts out there because I know right now in the live chat while people are watching this, everybody's, de- now they're, now you guys in the fact pack are talking about, well, of course Jesus burps. Well, sure. Yeah. I can't believe you brought up Jesus burping. I thought I remembered him winning a burping contest <laughs> over in Matthew. <laughs> Every time he did it, Peter thought a rooster was crowing. <laughs> oh, no! You what know, do I do? If Jesus wept, it could have been Jesus burped. Well, he was a human. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Right at the Last Supper? It could have been. <laughs> Did you? When I was singing R. Kelly the other day, did you like his little fades? Chance the Soulless Ginger rapper. Mm-hmm. Chance was giving us the little music video fades mm-hmm. over, and people were like, "Ooh, nice fade, bro." Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Michelle Obama, man. Michelle Obama is 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 not a lovely woman, in my opinion. Um, on the inside, and just on the outside. Okay. And the inside, <laughs> and I just don't like. I'm tired of everybody trying to pretend like she's some kind of beautiful woman or something like that. And I think they do that to to come at Melania a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I, she's just not a pretty lady to me, in my opinion. Melania but, is aesthetically pleasing. She she is. I, she is. I think that just depends on who's looking at her. Oh, well, you know, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, a beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's beer right. holder. Yeah. So eyes of the beer holder. But Michelle. She's uh, she she jumped on. Everybody's seen it on social media. Uh, she basically came out and said that it's Trump's fault that any BLM protests devolve into any violence. Stop. That most of them have been, you know, a vast majority of them have been peaceful. Only a very small amount of those have been violent at all. Um, just a little fraction of those. Well, I mean, just a little fraction of Hitler's life killed six million Jews, but we won't worry about those fractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a little, we got a little clip here. Let's take a look at Michelle Obama. They're stoking fears about black and brown Americans lying about how minorities will destroy the suburbs, whipping up violence and intimidation. 
and they're pinning it all on what's been an overwhelmingly peaceful movement for racial solidarity. It's true. Research backs it up. Only a tiny fraction of demonstrations have had any violence at all. So what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. But that doesn't mean it won't work. Hmm. <sighs> There's been a couple of videos, uh, meme videos out there of, of her and the behind her. They've cut out the background and they've just got the cities on fire and the cars being beat up and blasted and stuff. And I mean, that's not all BLM. A lot of that is Antifa and and. I mean, you, you can lump all that in there together because really the agenda is the same. And if I was having that conversation with Michelle Obama, my question would be, OK, so what's the goal here? You want racial reconciliation. What does that look like? How, how do you, when are you satisfied? When do you look at something and say, OK, that's because there's always going to be something that you can look at and say that was wrong. This police officer did something wrong. This individual did something wrong. This person did something to another person whose skin color was different than theirs. But but does that mean that that we live in a world without racial reconciliation at all? I mean, does that really cross the average person's mind? I mean, that's like saying that the, the you know the average American out there is militant and ready to go out there and blow everything up because they don't like the way things are going politically in this country. That's just that's patently false. Here's my frustration. Come on. You, you, she's talking steve sorry steve just one second she sits there and points all of that at donald trump mm -hmm. that and she says most protests have been peaceful okay if that's the case then why didn't you blame the media mm -hmm. that's where we've seen it all the media shows because if it bleeds it leads but she does not mention once that maybe the media is racist mm -hmm. if you're going to show all of that rather than the more peaceful protests because if it bleeds it leads they show it so why don't you sit there and call out the media for that she didn't she calls out the right every time and claims it's racist no it's not no it's not it is what it is mm -hmm. dang I, it just gets me so, I'm, I'm tired of being called a racist well i was just gonna say that she was in the white house for eight years with her husband and school lunch violence i'm sure <laughs> increased because of the lunches she put in front of our kids <laughs> but you got serious what the hell's wrong scared with me what is wrong with her <laughs> my lord it just fires me up i, I really i'm so frustrated not one comment about what the media is showing yeah but you're right uh if, if they weren't continually pushing that and promoting that you wouldn't even know that's going on that's the driving narrative has your neighborhood been on fire not yet not yet has steve has your neighborhood been on fire have they, they've rioted in your neighborhood uh, on the back side i think they riot every couple night times a week yeah <laughs> uh i but i mean no in the average neighborhood is not having that but yet if you if somebody let's say in england was watching american news they would think the whole country's on fire because the media is promoting Correct. that narrative like all of our cities are on fire everything's inflamed we're at war in the streets and let's be real it's not good no it's not good but but to say you know the vast majority of these things have been peaceful no you're promoting the vast majority of what you're promoting the media has been violence yes they're not showing peaceful protests yep they're showing people who are tearing up uh restaurants they're showing people who are getting in old people's faces while they're just trying to have a meal 
Um, I saw a video yesterday of them. They some Hispanic birthday party. They were tearing that, you know, tearing the tables down and all that stuff. The people out there trying to eat their cake, macing each other, and just just crazy. I mean, then you've got the guy that got arrested the other day because they had the laydown protest in the middle of the highway, which is dumb. And this guy's in his truck and he tossed a smoke grenade out, and as they all scattered, and, uh, and then he got out with his firearm and and was basically saying, "Come at me, bro." <laughs> Well, that was after they started hitting his truck with everything, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what you got going on. It's kind of crazy. I got smoke grenades. If I could find me a black market place to get a few flashbangs, uh, y'all give me a shout. <laughs> <laughs> They're only selling them to law enforcement right now. But anyway. Anyway. Speaking of all that... Uh, so, listen, guys, whenever you have had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums. You don't even think about it, and that's going to make it easy for you to overpay, and you don't even realize you're doing it because you're just in the habit of paying it every month. So I want you to stop overpaying for car and homeowner's insurance today. See about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have, and you can do it thanks to our great friends at Gabby. Now, Gabby's going to take the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive and Nationwide. They've got me with Travelers. Uh, Just link your current insurance account, and in just minutes, you're going to be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you already have. And you're probably going to be like most Gabby customers and save $825 per year on average. And if they can't find you savings like they did for me, they're going to let you know. That way you can relax and know you've already got the best rate that's out there. They're never going to sell your info, so you're not going to have to worry about any of those annoying robocalls or spam calls. And it's totally free to check your rate. There's no obligation. Just take a few minutes this evening. Stop overpaying on your car and home insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash WatchChad. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash WatchChad. Gabby.com slash WatchChad. Get over there today. We'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, obviously we've made a little seat change here instead of Natalie, former mayor of Irving, Texas, Beth Van Dyne. She's running for Congress District 24 right here uh, where we're sitting. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, you're right in the heart of the district. I know. Thank you for coming in. You and I met um, uh, when another host was here at The Blaze a few years ago, and uh, I've followed you, always been impressed with what you did with the city of Irving. Thank you. And I'm certainly impressed with how you've handled this race. Why Congress? Why, why the push for this? You know, I look at the leaders that we have up there now, and I think there's a lot lacking. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you need someone who is very strong, who has a, an articulate message and who has a backbone. And I look at this point in time in our cities and our nation's history, and, you know, you've had so many people who've gotten elected who have said one thing and then gone up there and just kind of fallen into the flow, mm-hmm. um, especially in 2018 when you had Democrats who went up there and they said that they were going to fix health care. They were going to fix infrastructure and pass bills that people cared about, and you haven't seen it. And, you know, I think about my experience six years on the city council in Irving, one of the top 100 largest cities in the country. Um, And then I think about my time as mayor and then working for the Trump administration under Ben Carson for two and a half years at HUD, where I really got to see inside the belly of the beast. 
you know, you need people up there who have experience and who can look at economic development. You know, the time that I was mayor when I was elected, it was in the middle of a recession. Mm-hmm. And we added 40,000 jobs, $3 billion worth of economic development, became the fifth safest city in the country, working on public safety, working on economic development. And really, you know, last seven months, our concentration needs to be on bringing jobs back. Yeah. And that's that's my experience. That's what I've done. That's and that's we were we we said it sort of I said it to you sort of tongue in cheek, but it's a great point. It's a safe city. Yeah, Irving's a great city. I love it over here. I don't live in Irving, but I I I love Irving. Yeah, always have. We need we need to get you over here. It's not a city that's on fire. It's not you know there you don't see the riots and the craziness going on in the streets. And why is that? You know, I think, you know, early on when I was on city council, we enacted a program where our officers actually fought crime. And our uh, citizens, our residents appreciated that. So did our businesses. Early on, we had this uh, criminal alien program where the city was working with Customs and Immigration, uh, Mm -hmm. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, ICE, to go after criminal illegal aliens in our city. And we got a ton of uh, outside negative press from activists, New York Times, CNN, who all said, you know, the fact that you're doing this just shows that you are a racist city. Mm. And the fact is, we did have more um, um, criminal, illegal aliens deported in the city of Irving at one point in time than any other city. But for people who call this racist, they didn't understand the issues. Mm -hmm. People who are here illegally were those members who are being most preyed upon in our community. So by us going after gang members, us going after drug cartel members, us going off uh, after sex traffickers and getting them out of our city, it actually made you know the city safer for everybody that lived here. And we had the lowest crime rate in our city's history for nine straight years. We became the fifth safest city in the country. And when we had outside activists come into our city and try to intimidate leadership that we were somehow hateful or bigoted or racist because we were, you know, enforcing the law. Mm-hmm. Um, that we were threatened that businesses were going to move and people weren't going to want to move here. And what we found is we had some of the largest, the fastest population growth that the city's ever had. And we had some of the largest economic development growth we've ever had. Yeah. People want to live where they feel safe. Yeah. I like to drink in Irving. I like to eat, and well, I like to eat too, but I like to drink in Irving. There's great places here. There's awesome places There's here. There's great yeah. live venues for yeah. a person in the entertainment industry. There's great live venues. Yeah. The ranch is awesome. The ranch is amazing. One I mean, that's favorites. our regular staple yeah. over there. I mean, back before the, the Rona started killing, you know, 100 million people, as Joe Biden says, uh, you know, we were, every Monday and Tuesday, we were over at the ranch. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of, that's, it's like a second home over here for me. And I owe that to you. I owe that to you, Mayor, because Actually, you did Actually, the ranch it. privately held. They yeah. put all yeah. that money in there, but we try to help them out as much as we can with pragmatic business solutions, right? You, yeah. have, a, you have an atmosphere where it's a good business environment. Um, that's, where pe- that's where people want to live. That's where people want their kids to go to school. And that's where people want to build businesses. Let's talk about it. We just played that clip from Michelle Obama. Let's talk yeah. about this idea of systemic racism and what the real problem yeah. is and the police in your district, the police in your city, yeah. what's made the difference in that area? Well, I'll give you an example. You know, the example that I was using earlier where we had our police that were under attack by outside activists. Mm-hmm. What you found was our city appreciated the job that police officers were doing. And, you know, one of the first um, um, programs I did when I got elected back in 2004, 16 years ago, um, I did our Citizens Police Academy. It's an 11-week academy where you go in and 
I thought it was important since it was one of the largest portions of our budget that I understand what the police do. They know who I am and I know who they are. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I saw you know every day the risk that they put their their lives and, and quite now now it's not just their lives but it's their families' lives. Yeah. And so we championed, advocated, and helped support programs that got our police officers outside into the community. So we had a you know a coffee with with cops. We had a rape aggression defense course where we worked with young girls and their moms, teaching them self defense mm-hmm. and really to have a voice. Um, we worked with our police athletic league that worked with at risk you know kids in our in our community. And what we found was they were getting out and people were getting to know them and respecting the job that they did, respecting the risks that they took every day. We created a, a program called Shop Talk that got our police officers into black-owned businesses. Mm. And not only did they get to know the owner, but they also got to know the clientele, and they got to know who they were. So it was a mutual relationship and bridges that we were building. And uh, every quarter, there was a lunch that they um, these black-owned businesses would come in, and we would um, sit down. They had some of the city leaders, um, our police chief, our city manager. And a few months ago, I was talking to the city manager, and he said they had one of those quarterly luncheons. Mm. And there were two shop owners that came in wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts. And there was a concern, you know, how this was going to go. Both of those individuals got up, and they thanked our police chief, our city manager, and our police department for the job that they do in the community, keeping everyone safe, and for the mutual respect they had. And they said if every police department was run like Irving's, there would be no problems across the country. And we as leaders, you know, you saw some of the the divisiveness that we had in our council and how we didn't always get along. But one of the things that we always agreed upon was to support our police. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of leadership is necessary. When you see mayors, you know, like the mayor of Atlanta, Seattle, um, throwing their police departments under the bus, that's their fault. Mm-hmm. Those are policies that they either haven't supported or that they never even thought about. It's their fault. Yeah. And as city leaders, when they sit here and they can condemn their own police departments who are enforcing laws that they are helping create, they need to take that role and be and be held publicly accountable. Yeah. And we just we, we seem to have lost that. So what we have is not necessarily systemic racism as much as a systemic lack of programs and, and communication and relationships between law enforcement and the community in many cases. And a lot of yeah. times you have those mayors, as you mentioned, some of those select cities that are that are doing everything they can to, to pass the buck, place the blame, put the burden on yeah. the police force. And, you know, I was I spoke down at the Houston Police Department a couple of weeks ago uh, for a breakfast and, you know, the diversity that was in the room was amazing, yeah. you know, down there and everybody was listening and they cared about each other and they cared about their community. And that's what we see across across the board yeah. with these folks. We were talking about it earlier. Natalie was talking about the media. If it bleeds, it leads. Right. You're going to focus on the things that exacerbate the situation and make it look worse. If you're in England and you're watching American television, you think that America's on fire right yeah. now. And it's yeah. not. We have good cities here. Well, you know, and not all not all um, 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 crime safety measures are law enforcement mm-hmm. answers and solutions. Right. We had an area down in Irving, it was called Tudor Lane, and it was bad. I mean, it was just one of those areas that you drove by. You're Steve, like, you ever been to Tudor Lane? No, sure hadn't. Okay. And you're like, why isn't anybody doing anything about this? It was right across the street from one of our middle schools. Oh, wow. And it was, you, you had um, hypodermic needles on the street. There was prostitution. There was sex trafficking, gang violence. Mm. And we decided, you know, we had 
we had pushed officers there, but it still was crime-ridden. And so we ended up working with programs at the state and at the federal level to be able to buy some of those houses that were empty, that were being used as drug houses, mm. buy them, knock them down, and we built affordable housing. And yeah. what we found was we turned this area, I mean, the crime rate dropped by 80% almost immediately. Yeah. And it wasn't throwing you know, um, police at it. It was looking at, at out-of-the-box solutions to be able to fight crime. And it worked, and we don't do that enough. It, just proactive leadership and elected representatives is an amazing thing, yeah. the difference that it makes when you have folks who just really want to quit passing the blame and passing the buck. I see this all across the country, these guys that, you know, the Ted Wheelers and the and the um, Andrew Cuomo's and the yeah. Garcetti and, and Gavin Newsom and all these different guys that you can name off, um, yeah. Warren Wilhelm. Uh, Bill de Blasio, of course, in New York. I mean, these guys are just, it's a joke to watch these guys. They are so lacking in leadership. Yeah. And they, they just want to pass the blame. And I served with them when I was on the U.S. Conference of Mayors board. Mm-hmm. You know, I served with mayors. And we have some great mayors across the country. We really, really do. Um, but so many of the larger city mayors have horrendous policies in place mm. that they stand by. And it's not the systemic racism, it's the systemic failure of these policies. Mm-hmm. You know, throwing more money toward um, education that's not going anywhere, looking at some of these programs, it breaks your heart. When I was at HUD to see three generations in public housing, because we're not doing anything to help these people be independent, we're not teaching them tools and trades and skills that will be able to get them out of that poverty, we're just carrying it on. And there are, are policies that we could that we have explored, but you know, so few have put in. And you know, for an example, um, under Secretary Carson, I mm-hmm. love him. I, you know, I went to go yeah. work for that man, um, and <clears throat> during my first interview with him, you know, he said, "Look, we need to revamp how we look at entitlement programs, and we stop, have to stop looking at their success by the number of people we get into these programs, and look at it by the number of people we graduate out of these programs. Yeah. And part of that is creating wealth. It's wealth accumulation mm-hmm. that we are lacking. You know, paying people you know monthly stipends is never going to accumulate wealth. But for example, with with Carson's rental reform, there was an opportunity that." If somebody is living in, in, in public housing, putting a portion of the rent that they pay into an escrow account, mm-hmm. that adds up. And if they actually manage their, their, their place that they're living and they don't trash it out, when they leave, they have enough money to be able to put a down payment on a home. Yeah. And you know, studies will show you that people who actually own homes have 500 times the value, the, the, the wealth of those people who rent. Mm. And that's money that can then be, that's wealth that can then be sent down to generations. Yeah. And you break the cycle of poverty, and it doesn't cost the government anymore. It's amazing. And you've got a heck of a track record. And yeah. when we come back, I want us to really get into this race for Congress, okay? Because I got some questions for you. Okay. You're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy, Beth. But you have you're my, to be. You but, but you're to be. my kind of crazy, and I like it. Listen, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed it or not. Your hair is not looking as full as it used to. Look at this head right here. That's, yeah, see what I'm talking about? I know. <laughs> it's trying to grow back, but I just keep shaving it down. Losing your hair is no fun, guys. You guys know that. So I want to talk about some options. You can go to your doctor for hair loss treatment, prescriptions. You can visit the pharmacy, and your jaw's going to drop whenever you see how expensive those medications are. You go broke just trying to not be bald, or you can try keeps from the comfort of your lazy boy. You just get the uh, same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment. 
Keeps is going to offer you the generic versions, which are about half the cost. And one more thing you're going to love about Keeps, it's all online. You just go online, answer a few questions, snap a couple of pictures of the top of your head, and a licensed doctor is going to review your info, recommend the right hair loss treatment for you, and then it's going to be shipped directly and discreetly to your door. So why make unnecessary trips to the doctor and drugstore when you can do it all from home? So get started with a special deal straight from our show. Go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash loss. They'll give you 50% off your first order of Keeps hair loss treatments. That's keeps.com slash loss. Keeps.com slash loss. We'll get into the craziness of Congress when we come back. First of all, good job on the video with Dan Crenshaw. That was so much fun. That That, was so much fun. That was solid. I mean, that was a that was a campaign ad. We wanted to to get out of just regular boring campaign ads, especially now when you're seeing them like every thirty seconds. Right? It's a new campaign ad. We wanted something new, something different. But the whole point was patriotic. Yeah. standing up for this country and it's building a team yeah. and i think we forget about that when we get up there you know you're one voice yeah but you gotta so, be part of a team and that's one of the first questions i wanted to ask you before we get yeah. into your specific race is yeah. how hard is it to think of the concept of going in as the minority party you know look from the time that i, I got elected to city council the time i got elected mayor i've never been in the majority okay but i've found that if you have a strong voice if you have a a mission and you've got goals that even if you don't have a majority of votes, you can still get a lot done. Yeah. And I'm willing to talk to anybody who's an adult in the room. Mm. I'm very pragmatic. Um, I'm solution-driven. And the whole politics of it is what I think I find more, most distasteful. Yeah. The policy is something I love. Well, as we've kicked around ideas of governor races and all kind of things, you know, here, there's been folks who said, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. You might think about Congress as we're going forward. And I'm like... How much can we get done? How much can yeah. you get done? How much can Beth Van Dyne get done if you go, if you're elected? And I believe you're going to be elected. I hope so. To Congress I hope so. this November. I mean, how much can can you get done? Well, you know, it, it, one person by themselves is not going to be able to get much mm-hmm. done at all. It's about building to get, uh, building a team. And one of the things that I have felt most optimistic about over the last 14 months is I think Republicans had an opportunity to do a lot when mm-hmm. they had the Senate, the House, and the presidency. And that was a failed opportunity. Um, and I think they have learned from that. And I have seen so much cooperation, so much team teamwork, and so much support from the party. Mm-hmm. Um, um, personally, I've, se- I've felt it, but I've also seen it across the country that yeah. I think when we get the House back again, there's going to be a lot that we can do. I think you can get it back. I really yeah. do. I think yeah, that especially can happen. Now. <laughs> and your opponent, uh, Valenzuela, uh, she, I mean, you, you guys are pretty diametrically opposed. Yes on pretty much all the issues. Yeah. How is that race going? You know, it is a tight race. Um, um, back in 2018, when Kenny Marchant, who's held the seat for 16 years, was up for re-election, his Democrat opponent raised $100,000. He won with just barely over 50% of the vote. Mm. Um, that put a target on the back of this district, and we have seen millions of dollars mm. pouring in. In fact, the DCCC and Nancy Pelosi's uh, House Majority Pack have already put in $7 million in my, cat, my opponent's um, campaign. 
um, to be able to to say whatever they want. And it's obvious they're not. It's a D.C. run campaign. They don't know the district. And I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I have been pro-business. I have I have seen jobs flourish in the city, understanding that three quarters of our tax base here was business was paid for by businesses, which means that three quarters of our police, our fire, our roads were paid for by business taxes. And as a result, you know, my focus was on increasing people's opportunities and empowerment yeah. um, to be able to get jobs, to be able to be successful. My opponent is the exact diametrically opposed to that. She thinks federal government needs to run every aspect of our life, from businesses to healthcare to when you can go out. Um, there was a question yesterday asked during the, D- the Dallas Morning News editorial board about whether or not we supported the president coming down with a mask mandate across the country she supported that and i said absolutely not um but you know more important are some of her policies on energy she signed a letter when she was on the school board in Carrollton farmers branch that basically said they were wanting to get rid of all energy production in the u.s and ban fracking mm. now the energy industry in texas employs two million people she claims that she's for working families, and yet she would gut two million people out, you know, two million jobs out of this out of this state. She claims that she's uh, invested in public in public schools, and yet the energy industry in North Texas alone, the energy industry puts seventy eight million dollars in our public schools, mm-hmm. but nobody pushes her on those policies. Um, when we look at health care, she thinks a one-size-fits-all government health care plan is the best way to go. I think people want to be able to pick and choose their doctors, their services, what they pay for. We need to give people a lot more options to choose from to make it personal and not less. And anybody who's actually ha- ever had to go and rely on the VA, for example, mm-hmm. does, knows that you don't want to just be a box that gets checked and just a number. You want to be able to have more power and more freedom and more choices. And for that reason, we are completely different. Yeah. Beth Van Dyne is running for Congress District 24. That is uh, Irving, Texas. And, and you know from Fort Worth all the way to Fort Worth. Dallas. Big, Just when I get to vote for her. And that's what I was going to say. It's a big district. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, big district. And I remind people all the time, we live, if you live in Texas or you even consider Texas, 10th biggest economy in the world. It's It's mm-hmm. massive. And you've already run what is the 95th largest city in America. 92nd. Is it 92nd? Okay. <laughs> and it has and, the most diverse zip code in the country. Really? Yep. yep. So, I Some mean, of the largest this is, companies. And, I, yeah. I, I can't brag enough on the track record. So that's okay. why I'm excited about what the future holds for you yeah. and for Texas and this district, which is a huge, huge district. It encompasses a lot of people, a lot of jobs, a lot of economy, yeah. a lot of opportunity, a lot of diversity. And so um, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I know that's probably not the word you use at this stage in the game. Look, I love campaigning. I do love you? getting out. I do. I think it's important. Yeah. You know, I, I'm running against an opponent who is running her campaign, relying on on DC talking points, mm-hmm. and not getting off her couch. Mm-hmm. That's how she's running her campaign. She's not getting out. And you know, as public servants, we don't have the luxury of calling it in. Yeah. Our job is to get out and to meet with voters, to meet with constituents where they feel most comfortable. We're block walking. We're holding events. Um, we're social distancing. We're trying to be as safe as possible, but realizing that my job is to listen yeah. and to represent. And if you're not willing to get out there, you're not fit for office. You mentioned social distancing. How difficult is it to be in politics and have a true conviction and opinion when it comes to that and the masks and all of that stuff? Because we've seen a lot of this yeah. stuff run the gamut with Governor. Greg Abbott here in the state. I mean, 
do you I mean, do you have a strong conviction on that that you can talk about in terms of what the future looks like? in the next, say, six months to 12 months? Well, I know we can't go back. Right. And you mentioned Bill de Blasio earlier, and I think about what that man has done to that city. Mm -hmm. Completely destroyed it. And they're now talking about closing down more schools and more boroughs. I mean, completely ignoring the fact that shutting down your economy has been so bad Mm -hmm. for everyone. Talking about kids not being in school and the number of depression medicines now, you know, depression that they're under, under, um, teen suicides. Um, more child abuse cases now because they're not able to go to schools and have those mentors and people who are looking out for them. Mm. I mean, it's been devastating. And, you know, we don't know, still don't know so much about this, this virus, uh, long-term effects, short-term effects. But, you know, we know for cert- certain one thing that kills is poverty mm-hmm. and not letting people have ability to be able to bring food home. Um, to be able to go to work, be able to pay their rent, um, is 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 caused more damage than we can possibly imagine, yeah. and we're going to feel that for decades to come. And even the Dallas Morning News said, you know, we've lost almost what is it a third of students in Dallas ISD. They have no idea where they went. It's a lost generation. Yeah. We need to get the economy opened back up safely, and we also need to get kids back into school safely. But we can't go back. Yeah. Let me ask you this: We got just a yeah. few more seconds left. Your opinion as far as mail-in voting versus in-person voting, what's the importance there? You know, we have three weeks that we're going to have to early vote in mm-hmm. almost in this in, in, in um, District 24, almost 50 polling locations alone th- over three weeks and on Election Day. It is so much easier to just go in. You can go online and find out what wait times are. If you don't want to go in, they'll bring out the ballot box to you. There are mm-hmm. a lot of options. I have seen, and we have, I mean, there was, a, there was an article about it last week talking about the issues with mail-in ballots. Um, I have a problem with that. I, and, and I think anybody who really is, is, is um, focused on a fair and accurate vote would have a problem with that. And it shouldn't be a bipartisan, it should not be a partisan issue. Yeah. You know, any American who is, is concerned about the legitimacy of their vote should be su- supportive of people going and voting. It's yeah. an important part of being an American, and we should all exercise that. I hear you. Beth Van Dyne, November 3rd is coming up, folks. Get I, out there. October 13th, early voting starts. That's exactly right. Right, October thirteenth, and uh, I think I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to vote a little. She has early. our vote. Yeah. Thank you. We and all need to get ten people out to the in polls our, in our yard. So you bless you. Thank you for doing that. All right, we will be right back. There's a great little drop in by Beth Van Dyne. She's great. She's awesome. Uh, known her for, gosh, I don't know, five or six years now. And I'm always impressed with her. Always impressed with her vision, her leadership, uh, just a solid, solid person. And I'm, I'm glad that she's doing what she's doing. And she's doing a great job. And mm-hmm. if you want to find out more about Beth, her platform, and who she is and all that, you can go to beth for texas F-O-R, BethforTexas.com uh, and check her out over there and support her. If, if you've got the opportunity, highly encourage you support her um, on Election Day as well. So she's, uh, she's great. There's a lot at stake. You hear state. everything that she's done, yeah. the changes that she's made in such a great city. Well, if you spend any time in Irving, you've seen the changes over the years, and she was very pivotal 
uh, in mm-hmm. making those things happen. It's one of my favorite areas in Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah. It really is. Um, so Steve and I are going to be heading out over to Utah, West Jordan, Utah, on Friday and Saturday. Steve and Kyle and I will be there. Our buddy uh, Todd Johnson is going to open the shows for us. You can find out more information at watchchad.com. Then we're headed over to West Palm Beach, Florida, for four days at the um, – at the is it the improv yeah the improv, improv over there and then we're headed to greenville south carolina at the end of this month uh so we're going to be at the comedy zone over there go to watchchad.com that's where all the fun stuff is and we will talk to you tomorrow night we love you god bless bye